Tonight, we discuss the impact of Bo Horvat since he's joined the Islanders. We'll also break down the growth in Lane Lambert's coaching and a full preview of tonight's game against the Penguins. All that and more on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. Sark tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Barzell with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian. And I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. And welcome, everybody, to the Thursday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Gil Martin, so glad you could join us today and be part of the Locked On Islanders family. And thank you for making Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Lots to discuss on today's show, including a full preview of tonight's game in Pittsburgh. But first, if you've got something Islanders-related on your mind, maybe you have a, a question for us or a comment about something we've talked about on the show, or maybe you have an idea of a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on a future episode, feel free to email us. The email address, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your first name and where you're from, we are happy to mention you on the show when we discuss whatever it is that's on your mind. You can also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles, and you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news, notes, and happenings, and... I am live tweeting during nearly every Islanders home and road game, so definitely join me for some instant insight and analysis, and it's always great to interact and talk Islanders hockey with fans game time or any time, so please do feel free to reach out. Wanted to start off today's show discussing the impact that Bo Horvat has had on this team. He's now played with the Islanders for 14 games. And it's been about a month uh, since the trade, give or take a couple of days. And, you know, what was it, a week later that he signed the lengthy extension, the eight-year extension that kicks in next year. And if you look at the statistics initially, you might think, ah, Bo Horvat, you know, he's doing okay, but, you know, 14 games... Five goals, eight points, six penalty minutes, a plus two. Uh, you know, doesn't doesn't sound outstanding, but sounds okay. But when you dig a little deeper and you look at some of the things that Bo Horvat has accomplished for the Islanders that go beyond goals and assists, I think you'll understand uh, why Bo Horvat has been a vital addition for the New York Islanders. And I'll put it this way. Start with this. 
Right now, the Islanders are without Matthew Barzal, who prior to Horvat being here, and probably even after Horvat is here, is their most dynamic offensive player. They're without Barzi, and they've been without J.G. Pajot now for 10 games. So that's your third-line center, who's also on your second power play unit, also on your PK, uh, you know, a, a sort of a glue guy on your team, and your most dynamic offensive player. Both of them out of the lineup for an extended period of time. I'll put it to you this way. Without Bo Horvat, there is no way the Islanders survive and have... Look, they've thrived now over the last dozen games or so without those two players in the lineup for most of them. Here's what Bo Horvat has been able to do. Horvat has given the Islanders just the ability, I think, to really do more things on both sides of the ice. And that's huge for this team, especially given the coaching situation uh, where you have a rookie head coach who is still learning. And we'll sort of tie all of this in together. Horvat, look at the last five games. Bo Horvat, in the last five games, has played 22 minutes and 40 seconds, 20 minutes and 33 seconds, 23 minutes and 51 seconds, 2018 in the win over Winnipeg, and then 21:53 in the loss back on Friday, February 24th, to the LA Kings. He is playing 20, sometimes 22, 23 plus minutes a night. And yeah, in those five games, he has one goal and no assists. And he's even in plus-minus, and he has six penalty minutes. But here's the thing. A, he's shooting the puck, which is something the Islanders didn't always do. B, without Barzal and without Pajot, the Islanders wouldn't have had, before this trade, a player who could come in and give you, effectively, 20, 21, 22 minutes a game. He has been very valuable in the face-off circle. He has won more than 50... He's never won less than 57% of his face-offs in any of those five games. 57.1, 58.8, 82.4, 80, and 60% in those five games from oldest to newest. He has helped out on the penalty kill. And I don't want to think about what the penalty kill would have been if Pajot was out of the lineup, Clutterbuck is out of the lineup, and Bo Horvat wasn't there to fill in. So, in addition to his leadership qualities, his ability to win possession of the puck on face-offs, his ability to help on the power play, and yeah, the power play still kind of struggling and not finishing well, and, and we'll discuss that at some point as well, not maybe today, but on a future show. But doing all of these other things has really 
sustained the Islanders. The offense that he's providing, even if he's not scoring a lot in these last five games, just the shot attempts. I mean, he's never had less than two shots on goal in any of these games. He had two shots, three shots, seven, three, and two. Those are, you know, solid numbers for any top line forward where, you know, you're getting 20 shots, an average of four shots a game over the last five. So he is just doing all the little things that the Islanders need him to do. Couldn't survive the PK without Pajot. The first line while not as dynamic as it was when Barzal and, and Horvat were on the ice together, I, I don't want to think about where it would have been without Bo Horvat. Who would you have put on that first line with Barzi out? Would you have gone to, you know, Nelson Lee and, and Palmieri as your top line and then try to cobble together uh, a second, third, and fourth line without Pajot in there and without Horvat. Bo Horvat has really helped this team in a lot of little ways in addition to the offense that he has provided. And he still will, I think, get better once Matthew Barzal hopefully returns late in the season when he's a little more acclimated to the team, a little bit more acclimated to Lane Lambert and his system. But overall, he has just been a very solid addition. And without the addition of Bo Horvat, there is no way in my mind that this team without Pajot and without Barzal is still in the thick of the wild card hunt. Having him there, definitely a big asset to the New York Islanders. And look, you can argue that the trade that Lou Lamorello made, gave, giving up another first-round pick, hey, maybe he shouldn't have done that for future purposes and, and, and what have you. But I think the one thing that you can't disagree with is that the presence of Bo Horvat has had a big positive influence on the Islanders so far this year. And that's without him going on a tear offensively. So Bo Horvat been a real solid addition to the New York Islanders. And that is a big help. We have got a lot more to discuss on today's episode. We'll talk a little more about Lane Lambert and some of the things I've seen from him in recent, the last, let's say, week to 10 days. Again, maybe since the Barzal injury that show how he's grown as a coach. And I things that I like. Not that I'm saying he's perfect, but more on that. We'll preview tonight's game in Pittsburgh. All that and more still to come on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. We're past the midway point of the NBA season, so now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scorers and threes drained. And hey, 
Islander fans, check out the odds on tonight's game in Pittsburgh. Lots of ways you can use your knowledge of the Islanders on FanDuel. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So let's talk Lane Lambert. I, I think, you know, I was critical of him earlier in the year, and I think deservedly so. Uh, and yet, at the same time, when I pointed out some things that he did that, you know, maybe didn't. Uh, make a lot of sense, or or that at least were questionable. Uh, I think that what we've seen in the last few weeks from Lane Lambert has been a positive. And I always pointed out, he's a rookie. Uh, I hope he will learn and grow into the job. And I, I think we're seeing signs of that. And look, early in the year, Lane Lambert tried to get his defenseman to pinch more and get more involved in the uh, attack. And, and yeah, early, very early in the season, that was working. They were scoring more and the defense was pitching in. But it did end up backfiring because of the Islanders. It, it made the offense a little bit more dangerous, but it made the defense a lot more vulnerable. And in the long run, the offense just doesn't have the firepower to keep up. Well, you know, as of late, the Islanders have sort of turned things around. And one of the reasons that we've seen, you know, I heard so many fans uh, in comments on YouTube and, and on Twitter and, and, you know, in emails, talk about accountability. You know, there isn't a lot of accountability on this team. You make mistakes and then, okay, you're still in the lineup. Well, now we're starting to see some more accountability. We're seeing, for example, in the game against Buffalo on Tuesday, Pierre Engvall sat on the bench for the final 15 minutes of that game. And this is not the first time that the bench has been shortened especially since the injuries to Barzal and Pajot. Uh, you know, we've seen Ross Johnston and Otto Koivula and, you know, players on that fourth line really get, uh, you know, four, five, eight minutes in a game where Bo Horvat, as we discussed earlier on the show, ends up getting 22, 23 minutes in a game. Uh, we've seen Josh Bailey drop down to the bottom six, even on the fourth line at times, and yet at other times coming up and getting back into the top six and having that pay off at different, different times. We've seen players get rewarded for their solid play, whether it is Hudson Fashing, who has played extensively now on the third line, whether it's Casey Sezikis, who has moved up into uh, the top six at times and up to the third line at times, 
because of the way he's been playing. And so that flexibility, the ability to shorten the bench when the team needs a, a little jump to get more ice time out of your top guys to finally bench or limit the amount of ice time of players who are struggling. Look, here's and here's what Lambert said about Engvall being benched for the last 15 minutes of the game. He's new here. It's a different adjustment. There's an adjustment to systems and things like that. He's fine. He'll be fine. We went with guys that were a little more used to what we were doing and we'll continue to work with that and Pierre will be fine. You know what? He's simultaneously saying, we're up by a goal, we're holding on to a lead. I want my guys who know the system, who are going to back check, who are going to play the way they know I want them to play. And yet simultaneously he's saying, I'm not worried about Pierre Engvall. He's defending him, saying he's going to be a solid contributor. You don't need to worry about him. And this is why I did what I did. And... I, I just think that that shows a certain amount of growth. And look, is Lane Lambert Al Arbor or Scotty Bowman? No, he's not. He's not even at the level of Barry Trotz yet. But it takes time. And while a lot of people were saying, hey, you know, uh, maybe we should fire Lane Lambert, I'm glad that they waited with regard to that. And I think over the last, you know, 14 games or so, uh, really since the Horvat trade especially, we have seen growth and a, a learning curve from Lane Lambert. And that's what you need to see. He realized that the pinching wasn't working. It was modified. He's changed his defensive pairings, broken up Pelican Pulak. Uh, I, I'm still not thrilled with Aho and Dobson being the, what, what essentially now is the third pair. But at the same time, the other two pairs are doing well. And we're seeing Dobson and Aho getting less ice time, which... You know, when there's a power play, you're going to see those guys out there. But at five on five, or uh, certainly not shorthanded, you're not going to see them as much. So he's he's experimenting. He's going with what works. And a lot of the changes we're seeing from Lane Lambert are paying off. Whether it's your top forwards getting more ice time. Whether it's benching somebody but defending them at the same time. Giving players more uh, accountability by sitting them at different times. I, I, I just like the way this is playing out. Uh, it's, it, I'm not saying he's there yet, but the needle is definitely moving in the right direction. The arrow is pointing up, and that is what we need to see from uh, Lane Lambert and for the New York Islanders as we get deeper and deeper into the stretch drive. So, signs of growth from Lane Lambert. No, he's not a Hall of Fame head coach just yet, but progress clearly, in my mind, being made, and that is something that is a positive for the New York Islanders. We've got a lot more to discuss on today's show. We will break down a vital game tonight in Pittsburgh against the Penguins, the third of four games 
against teams that at least at the start of this four-game stretch were battling the Islanders for that those two wild-card spots in the Eastern Conference. And we'll also have our Islanders' birthday of the day, a big defenseman who was with the Islanders in the late 2000s. All that and more coming up on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Adam Rothstein Hockey Podcast Newsletter. Hey, Isles fans, are you looking for the best hockey newsletter on the internet? Well, look no further. The Adam Rothstein Hockey Podcast Newsletter is the best newsletter for any hockey fan, whether it's talking about the history of hockey, hockey video games, or how to improve your game. You'll find all that and a lot more in this newsletter. Also, if you like the newsletter, be sure to check out the main podcast on Spotify. Log on to rothsteina.substack.com. That's R-O-T-H-S-T-E-I-N-A.substack.com. Hope to see you there. So tonight, Islanders, Penguins, fourth and final meeting of the season between these two teams. And I don't have to tell you the importance of this game. Islanders right now one point ahead of the Penguins for fourth place in the Metro for the wild card spots. But Pittsburgh has three games in hand. Lose this game in regulation. Pittsburgh is up a point with three games in hand beat the Penguins in regulation, you're up three points with three games in hand, and suddenly the pressure on Pittsburgh to win those games in hand grows a lot bigger. Uh, The Penguins, fresh off a dramatic win, and they have now won four of their last five, and they just beat Columbus on Tuesday in overtime five to four, after being down early in the game, four to nothing. And look, I know the Columbus Blue Jackets are struggling right now, but when you're down four nothing and you come back to get two points, that is impressive. So credit to the Penguins on that one, and I know Islander fans were disappointed for sure. Statistically right now, the Penguins are a very middle-of-the-pack team. They're 14th in the league in goals scored, 18th in goals against. Their power play is 16th, dead in the middle, 21.1% success rate. The penalty kill, also right in the middle at 16th, 79.3% success rate. And that tells you you a lot about where this team is. They are inconsistent. Sometimes they look like world beaters. Maybe that game against Columbus was almost like Pittsburgh's season in microcosm. They started off being outplayed, not doing well, fall behind. And yet, as much as they can look terrible at times, at times they remind you that players like Crosby and Malkin and uh, Latang have won multiple Stanley Cups and they're capable still of playing exceptional hockey. Goaltending has been an issue. We remember the last time these two teams played, and it was the first game back from an injury for Tristan Jarry. He looked rusty, uh, and that was a big reason the Islanders won. But Jarry, look, 19-7-5 this year, a 2-8-6 goals against, and a 9-1-4 save percentage. So his numbers are looking up. 
Casey DeSmith, the backup, he is 12-13-4 with a 3-2-2 goals against average and a 9-0-6 save percentage. So clearly Jarry is better than DeSmith, and DeSmith actually came in after Jarry gave up the four goals in the first 22 and a half minutes against Columbus, and DeSmith did not let in a goal the rest of the way. So it'll be interesting to see whether the Penguins stick with DeSmith or go back to Jarry tonight against the Islanders. I don't know if I have to tell anybody about Sidney Crosby. He always seems to play well against the Islanders. He leads the team with 76 points in 63 games. 48 of those are assists. He's first on the team in that department. And yeah, 28 goals, first in the team in that department. Malkin, 66 points, 23 of those goals. And Jake Gunsel with 25 goals. Richard Raquel and Jason Zucker also over the 20-goal mark at this point. So this team can be dangerous. Top line, Crosby, Gunsel, and Raquel. Malkin, Zucker, and Danton Heinen make up the second line. Jeff Carter is the third-line center with Drew O'Connor to his left, Alex Nylander to his right. And from left to right on the fourth line, Pierre-Olivier-Joseph, Nick Benino, and Josh Archibald. On the blue line, Brian DeMoulin, Chris Letang, they're the top pairing. Marcus Pedersen and Jeff Petrie are the second pair, and Jan Ruta and Dmitry Kulikov are the third pair. Jarry and DeSmith, the goalies. Ryan Poling on the IR. Mikhail Gradland and Brian Rust are day-to-day, and we have to check their status and see if they return uh, tonight against the New York Islanders. Look, the Islanders can't let Crosby beat them. We've seen him do it so many times in the past, and hopefully they have some answers. But realistically, and I don't remember the last time I actually was able to say this, to win this game, the Islanders need to keep on playing the way they've been playing the, the last four or five games. Continue to be smart defensively, Stick to their game plan. Don't give up chances off the rush. Get back and and break up plays defensively. It's all mapped out. It's all there for this team. Now they need to go out and get it done. Huge game. And uh, I'll tell you, this is one the Islanders need to win. 7 o'clock Eastern time. And this one will have uh, the Islanders regular announcing crew back, Brandon and Butch. So... Uh, No ESPN Plus uh, for this game. Islanders' birthday of the day. Well, we're a day early, but Friday will be the 48th birthday of Islanders, former Islanders defenseman Andy Sutton. Sutton, a big guy, 6'6", 245, a stay-at-home defenseman, four years at Michigan Tech, made his NHL debut with the Sharks in 98-99, later played for the Wild and the Atlanta Thrashers, before joining the Islanders in 07-08, stayed through the middle of the 09-2010 season before being dealt to Ottawa, later played for Anaheim and Edmonton before hanging up his skates after the 2011-2012 season. 676 career games, 38 goals, 150 points, and 1,185 penalty minutes. He was a big guy. I mean, Andy Sutton could move anybody 
out from in front of the net and uh, was very solid in his own zone. His best game as an Islander, October 21st, 2009, at the Nassau Coliseum against the Carolina Hurricanes. And uh, Andy Sutton with a goal and an assist in that game. He was a plus one. His goal came on his only shot, and he played 18 minutes and 8 seconds in a 4-3 shootout win for the Islanders over Carolina. So happy birthday to Andy Sutton a day early. He is our Islanders' birthday of the day. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Again, I want to thank everyone for making Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. Now, make your second listen uh, game-to-game NHL every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked On game-to-game covers every contest from across the National Hockey League with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow game-to-game NHL, it's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back tomorrow with our key takeaways from this game against the Penguins, and we will also preview Saturday's game at home against the Washington Capitals. We'll also have uh, any injury updates that are available and a lot more. Until then, have a great day, everybody. Stay safe, and of course, let's go Islanders.